Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. I'm your host Emma and I walk and talk with my podcast guests in London talking about London, the world and life. Over many episodes I have caught up with guests who have visited the Travelling Through bookshop which closed in 2019 Uh, and one guest is Stephen Moore. Stephen is a self-published author and an editor He has written 25 books and I caught up with him at the end of June for the Self-Publishing Formula live show, which we will discuss during the episode. We'll also talk about writing and self-publishing. We talk about mental health awareness and also what it means to be on the road and where is home when you are travelling the world. So without further ado, these are Steve's thoughts on London, the world and life. So hello everyone, this is the Travelling Through podcast and today in this episode I'm here with Stephen Moore. Hello Stephen. Hello Emma, how well, are you? Steve actually is what you... Oh, I haven't I... done anything wrong yet, so <laughs> Steve for now. Steve, okay. And um, we, I've just met Steve outside the King's Arms pub, which is a very old-fashioned pub in Rupal Street in London, SE1. And um, but Steve, you're not very familiar with London, are you? No, I'm not. I met you in London, so but so we'll take a walk. Okay, let's and go. We'll go to where I did meet you for, for the first time, which was at my bookshop. Yeah, I remember it. I remember it very well. Good yes. times. Yes, and I can't remember where you just come in from when you because um, you had, had you just come in. You were just about to sign a deal. Do, do oh, that sounds ominous. Uh, for for a books. To, to work with somebody yeah, on books. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm mentioning no names because that thing didn't happen. Oh, did it so, not? Oh, sorry. Well, no, it's, it's, it, it's still happening, but it's very delayed. Okay. Um, do you remember that month? Do you remember the month? Um, I, no. I remember um, it was quite cold. I feel like it might have been March. Okay, yeah, you're probably right. In which case, or April. Perhaps I had flown in from Korea, I think. Yes, yeah. Or perhaps I was flying to Korea, I don't remember. Because I know we can actually slow down a bit so we don't okay. pound the pavement. Um, we'll turn, we can turn right here. Yeah, that's, um, that's where I'm staying. Oh, oh, in Mill House. Okay, yeah. so you're in an Airbnb. I am. For a couple of days and you've come here for the self-publishing. Yes, I'm, so I'm here for the conference. SPF live show, which is the self-publishing formula live show for indie authors and it's I feel like it's the biggest indie author event in Europe and perhaps the second biggest in the world and this is only the second one of it and because of Covid. Yeah of course yeah. And, and of course you were involved in it at the almost the very <coughs> beginning with Mark Dawson and giving an, an interview weren't you? Yes yes I, I'm an early I was an early sign up person. Yeah. Signee. <laughs> yes. Um, um, yeah, I, I signed up for the courses back in the day, maybe four years ago, five years ago, when Mark had launched his courses. Yes. And um, I was invited to London with Stephen. Yes. To do uh, testimonials for the courses. And that's Stephen Marriott. Who Stephen Marriott, yes, yes, yes. Who's yes. my partner and who I yes. met. Yes, and, 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 and my friend and, and your friend, all-round yes. good lad. Yes, because he came in to stay in your house in Mexico too while he was writing that's his right. second book. That's right, yeah, Steve, uh, Steve's a friend and um, I was away from my house for um, <clears throat> maybe six months mm-hmm. and it's better to have someone in the house taking care of the cats because they, uh, they, they can't go shopping themselves. <laughs> so Stephen very kindly house sat 
my uh, my two cats. Yes. I, I think three months maybe. Okay, and that's Ernest Hemingway. Yes. And I've forgotten the name yeah, of the my, other one. My cats are Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald, Ernie and Fitz. Oh, that's right. And they've since been joined by a dog. Have uh, they? Charles Dickens. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And have you have you left them in in Mexico? Because since Steve met you, you've sold your house in Mexico, and in fact we. Steve and my Steve, but I guess very confusing with all these Steves. Too many Steves. Um, have just come back from San Miguel de Allende, so we didn't see. I didn't see your house. No, unfortunately, but I, we we I missed saw you. The um, town there. Yeah, um, yeah. I've just sold the house, um, and we're sort of in a big relocation back to the UK after, for for me, what would be the first time in over 20 years, apart from a three-year spell when I went to university as a. Let's just say mature students. Okay, yes. Actually, it's something that I did too, so yeah. there we go. It's a great way to do things, I think, because you go to university with more of a certainty that that's what you want to do rather than going Well, it, it's a good theory. I, but I'm it's still, still hard work. Oh, it's <laughs> very, very difficult. Yeah, oh, but, but it remains the proudest moment of my life when I graduated age 35, I think. Um, but yeah, so... Um, and that was in archaeology? Um, anthropology, archaeology and art history. Crikey, three A's. Three A's, yeah. I can't spell the words. Please don't ask me to. I wouldn't. No. Um, but if we take you right back to, to sort of the very beginning of Stephen Moore. Okay. Um, so you were born in, brought up in, in Norfolk, right? Lo no, Lowestoft in Suffolk is my, well, okay, Alton Broad is my, uh, where I grew up, which is on the Norfolk Broads, although it is just over the border in Suffolk. Yes. Um, so that was where I, um, well, jury's out whether I grew up or not. But um, <laughs> do, we, do we ever? <laughs> in theory, that's that's where it was. I think it's harder to grow up when you don't have kids, actually. <laughs> yes, that's, yes. That's what I was sticking yeah, to anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to cross over the road okay. here. Um, and um, f from from the Norfolk Broads, you, you very much uh, took off around the world. I did. Yeah, I travel. did. I think. Well, it was 1994, I went on my first backpacking trip to, well, it was a year trip and it was Australia mainly, but on the way I stopped in Bali, Indonesia, mm -hmm. and um, I've never really stopped, to be honest. It just blew my mind, changed my world, and it set me on the path to, let's say, being a bit different. Yeah. A bit never really settled, I suppose. I'm a nomad. Um, and finally, I'm, you know, as I approach my 50th year, yes. it feels like it might be time to kind of finally settle. To grow a few roots. But perhaps, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Just a couple of tentative roots. Yeah, well, we had the house in Mexico eight years, so oh, it, it was home. Yes. But it never really felt home, because yeah. my wife's a travel writer, mm -hmm. so we we're always back and forth around the world anyway, so. I think the longest we were ever there in, at one stretch was was less than a year. Okay. Yeah. So we were always back and forth. So. I mean, that's. A, I think the thing about um, travel, being a traveller and being on the road a lot, um, it is hard to grow roots. But at the same time, I think I don't know. I've spoken to many people who say that wherever they go, that becomes their home, even if it is for a temporary time. And some yeah. people. Um, immediately embrace where they are and others find it a little harder how, how do you how do you embrace new places do you sort I, of melt into it immediately? yeah 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 i do i think that i'm quite lucky that that 
that comes easily to me, I think. Yeah. I do kind of, basically, once you've found the, your first pub, <laughs> I, I don't want to turn it into a drinking conversation, but I think if you've got a local pub, yes. then it becomes homely because you meet the local people in the pub. Of course, um, yes. And that's, that's how it is for me. I, I try and uh, get to the, the localist pub I can as soon as I can. Right. And I think once you've met the landlord or, you know, the, the old fellas at the bar, that's home. Yeah. It becomes home then. Yeah. And it's, it's true because like-minded people, well, who like a good, everybody likes a beer or a glass of wine or something. I think or, so. Uh, so you meet all types of people with all different kinds of stories as well. Right. It's, um, right. Abs absolutely. Um, yeah. So that, so actually I do feel like I can fit in quite easily wherever I am. I have okay. lived all over the world, so I've lived in Asia a lot. I've, I've lived in a lot of different Asian countries. Mm -hmm. I've lived in um, the US, I've lived in Australia. So, so very different cultures. Yes. And I think you have to be open-minded when you go to so many places. Definitely. Um, so yeah, so luckily I, I, do, I do sort of get into it quite, quite quickly, quite uh, easily. And where out of all the places that you've been to has felt <coughs> most comfortable for you or is it being different places for different reasons yeah I, I couldn't i couldn't narrow it down to one really um I, I did spend six years in south korea over a 10 year stretch okay. teaching english that must have been fascinating yeah it too. was it was an amazing experience and korea felt very homely to me because i, I went there on a contract for a, for a job yes so you you're almost you're almost straight into a regular life once you arrive because you you fly in on the Saturday, maybe you have the Sunday to get over jet lag, and Monday you're in you're at work. Oh my goodness! Okay, so yeah, full on straight away. Pretty full on. So, uh, but so that that but the Koreans are so nice as well, so welcoming. So so yeah, that that felt comfortable to me. But I I, I mean Bali is probably one of my favourite places. I've been quite a lot of times. Yes. That's where. I everything started for me okay. as a nomad and I, I have lived there I did we lived there for one year about four years ago right. I think around that always feels so comfortable and obviously Mexico was very comfortable for us to yes. hence buying a house there yes yes I, I think it's also the people isn't it it's feeling part of a community even if it is for a short space of time feeling right. accepted that, well that's absolutely right it's all it's always about the people really yes. Um, and in terms of the food as well, has that been something that has uh, directed where you've gone to, or is it? Um, not, not obviously, not, not consciously, but I mean, I, I think if, if someone were to ask me where is my favourite part of the world, I would probably say Asia, because yes. I just love Asian food, and of course, that's very, very broad because so many different Asian foods. But yes, I think generally. I love, I love Asian, I love curry, I love Thai food. So yeah, I think, I don't think I've chosen a place because of food, but it's always in the back of your mind, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. So we've just walked past the Sino-Thai restaurant and we're just about to walk past what was oh, traveling yeah. through, yeah. which is in, in Lower Marsh, well, which was in Lower Marsh. Yep. And it's now um, called the London Skill Wellness House. So very different, this one, this one here. Oh, so wow. it's totally so different. different. All you can recognise is perhaps the yeah, back Yeah, I literally would have walked past it without, <laughs> without knowing. But next door, Scooter Cafe bar. is we still here, which, which we spent many a time yeah. in as well. 
um, but Lower Marsh has changed quite a lot since since you came here four years ago. It's a, got a new face almost. To yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I recognise the main drag here, <laughs> but other than that, I wouldn't really know where I was. You probably wouldn't have realised that you were in <coughs> the same street, actually. No, no. <laughs> to a certain degree. But, so we'll go back to, uh, so you, you went off travelling and um, during your travels, you, you worked teaching English yep. in Korea. But what got you into writing specifically, or has it always been something that you've done and, uh, and then decided to do more seriously? Well, I have always thought of myself as a bit creative. My dad was um, a draftsman, an, yes. an old school draftsman. He designed actually, since we're in London, I can, he was one of the, the main draftsmen of the London, the London buses, the iconic oh, London buses. Oh, really? Because the, that factory was in my hometown of Lowestoft. Oh, my goodness, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he... Crossover here. Yep. There's one right now, so... So my dad's footprint is somewhere in that design. Oh, my goodness. And my yeah. grandmother was a, a painter. Yeah. So there's some creativity there. So I've always, I've drawn, I've painted a bit, I've, and I've scribbled, and I think and I think um, I always used to just scribble crap poems and that kind of stuff. And and I and, and before before I met Leslie, which is about 12, 11 and a half years ago now. Yeah, your now wife. Yeah. My, my now wife. Yeah. Yeah. Before you met. Yeah. Before I met Leslie, I it was kind of it was kind of a blind date. Like our friends had fixed us up, and I knew that she was a writer. Okay. And of course, I really wanted to uh, impress her. Yes. So I exaggerated my writing experience. Okay. And, but, and she said, oh really, you're a writer, what have you written? And I really couldn't tell her much. So she challenged me on our first date to write a novel. And so, so I did. Yeah. It, took, it took me two years to, yes. to, to, to sort of, to do that. But um, that's how it, it started. It started because it was a challenge. And I do like to how interesting. rise, rise to, a to the challenge. So, yes. Um, yeah, so that was that was really how I started writing fiction. Did you publish that book, or is it one that you've just? No, no, it, w it was my debut novel. Okay. Um, it's uh, different to the stuff I write now. It's more of a literary coming-of-age tale. Yes. But it remains my proudest book mm -hmm. because it was the first, and it, I had no idea what I was doing. Yes. And uh, people, Blood, people, sweat and tears. yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> people really liked it as well. So. So what's it called? It's called I Have Lived Today, which mm -hmm. any Roman poet fans would know Horace. Um, and it's the Book of Odes. Mm -hmm. um, and happy the man, happy he alone. Oh. And the final line of that poem, or one part of that poem is I Have Lived Today. So yes. that's where it came from. It was inspired by my professor at university. Okay. Oh, that is very inspiring. I like that very yeah. much. So. And, and, um, Having, so having published the first book, did you do that as self-published? I did. did. you try to find a, go through that agonizing uh, event of trying to find literary agents, which is more no. or less impossible. Yeah, it is. The statistics most are people. quite frightening, to be honest. One yeah. in, one in 10,000, I think, is the success rate yes. of pitching to the crazy, established. Um, so no, I didn't. I, I did. I did independently published it. Yes. Um, I did go to... Is that how you found Mark Dawson then? And, and uh, I, I'll, no, I went to school with Mark Dawson. Did you? I did, yeah, we were, oh in, my goodness. we were in school together. Ah. So I can name drop the Dawson. <laughs> 
quite quite happily. You know the inside story too. Uh, I don't know as much as I wish I did. He <laughs> he's very guarded with his. Uh, but no, I did go to school with Mark. Yeah, okay. um, in in Lowestoft, Altonborough Primary School. Yeah, yeah. And um, we're going to go cut through the park. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so. so, as you know, Emma, we lived in San Miguel de Allende in Mexico. Yes. And just so happens that in San Miguel, is Latin America's biggest uh, book writers conference. Yes. Um, annual annually but it is a very traditionally um, biased so I was probably the only independent author there right. but it was fun we met some good people but there was a thing where you could book a slot to speak to agents yes. um, mostly American yes and actually I managed to speak to an agent from LA I'm, I've forgotten her name so I just gave her my elevator pitch for my book and you know whether it's just the standard answer but she said oh sounds very interesting I'll get back to you yes never got back to me of no. course <laughs> and it was just an experience I of didn't course. expect anything from it yeah and I w I'd already published the book so so I didn't I didn't feel like it was a failure or anything like that no, no. Um, and I but I've never tried since and I, I don't think I ever would I don't I'm very proudly independently published yes I think the whole idea behind self-publishing is changing a lot now it seems to be evolving in a very positive way from from being scoffed at initially yeah, by absolutely. many uh, traditionally published um, authors um, to recognizing that actually it's a way to get your your work out where as you know that i mean literary agents can't possibly deal with the number of uh, applications that are coming no, through and, no. and so they've got to pick and choose but it doesn't mean that 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 makes your book a failure. It just means of course not. it doesn't fit their genre and why not get it out there and let well, the public or the Yeah, I think what's telling is um, when I went to the first, my first London book fair, yes. which I think was three years ago, in, just gone in April, so just over three years ago, there was an indie section at the top floor of Olympia tucked into the corner out of the way and it was almost kind of, well, we're a bit embarrassed that you're all here, but there you go, you can have that room. And now, Mark Dawson's, why I'm in London right now is Mark Dawson's having his self-publishing formula live show. And I think over, over a thousand people are going to it. Yes. And it's rivaling the book for, London Book Fair for that. And it's the biggest one in, in Europe. So yes. it's come a long way just for, because of people like Mark yep. and Joanna Penn and, and the 20 books to 50K group. Those kinds of people yes. have really elevated it and given us all much more of a chance of relative success. Of course, uh, and it's also, I mean, it was a, it's a very visionary project, really, yeah. to, to, to see that there was yeah. that demand out there, and also to recognise how, as self-published writers, I mean, and, which I am one of them as yep. well, but with only one book out yet. So far. <laughs> so far. Um, but the, the, the tools you need in your toolkit as well as writing to, to actually get the book out there is massive and it's yes. actually more than than you you learn more and you have more tools at your disposal indeed uh, than, a, than a publishing house in the end I, I would say so we we are we, we are probably better placed to create um, a more rounded product because well there's less ego involved i think for for indies we you know the, the misnomer the self-publishing route as we call it is a bit of a misnomer because we can't do anything by ourselves. No. I can't design covers. I, I am an editor, so I, I can edit my own books, but it's all, you know, I still seek help from 
better editors than me. Yes. And, um, you know, formatting, proofreading, all these things. It's a team effort, really, so it shouldn't really be called self-publishing no. anymore. It's absolutely right, actually. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah. It's, there is. It's your almost project managing a, a multidisciplinary yeah. team to get your, exactly. to get your book out. Well, there. I think some people do try to do it themselves. And I understand that. I did that for my first book. You know, things cost money. Yeah. Um, and if you're starting out, you don't want to invest too much just because you, you may never make it back. But, but um, I think really if you, if you do find the right cover person, he or she is going to give you a much better chance of, of, you know, of that book being seen yes. where it needs to be seen, which, let's be honest, is mostly Amazon. So yes, it is. Yep. 80% 80, 80% of the market is on Amazon, I think, unfortunately. But I, I wonder whether that's going to change as, as time goes on. As I know it's got, it certainly has got a huge chunk, a grasp on the market. Well, it's, it? it's I, just you could almost say monopoly, I, I suppose. Yes. And I feel like since we're in London, that's a kind of a good word for for that. But they, they there are there are competitors. There are other um, um, companies, let's say. Yeah. But they just can't really compete with. The, the massiveness of, of Amazon. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those, you know, you've published a book. Stephen has published two or three now. Yeah. Um, it's a love-hate relationship with Amazon because we can't really do it without them. No. I mean, even just having, when I had the bookshop as well, it was a, when I, 2014, when I opened it, there, were, there, there, there was a real drive. A lot of, a lot of bookshops and owners are, hating Amazon yeah. and, and my, my view was always there's no point hating Amazon it's here to stay yeah people love it so let's work with it well, what, how can it benefit me and how can yeah you know what well, can I get out of what how can I use it in a very in a positive way rather than exactly you have to embrace it, it. Yes. embrace the beast so to speak yes, and, yeah and you know the truth is as a reader where do I get most of my books from it's from Amazon yes so I couldn't really complain could I because <laughs> It's just the nature of it. It's just unfortunate in a way that, you know, you well, if it, don't if, want to get political, but... No, well, if, it, if Amazon hadn't, hadn't uh, formed something else like it, probably would have done. So indeed, it's, it's indeed. Just, uh, but yeah. um, anyway, coming back to your, your book. So okay. your first book was very much about you and your life and... Well, um, you know, it wasn't actually at all. However, I have a hard time convincing people that it wasn't about me. Okay. Um, and, and, but truly it wasn't. It, it's, it does read a bit autobiographical, mm -hmm. but it's just not my autobiography. Okay. Because, um, it's a journey. It's a kid who has a kind of a troubled childhood. Yes. Um, it's, it's a bit dark in places. Right. Um, but, but really it's just, I, I don't know if your listeners are aware of NaNoWriMo. Oh, yes. Um, well, I said <laughs> in, in November, National... Yeah, National Novel Writing, writing Month. Yes, right. So that's yes. what my wife challenged me to do, ah, okay. to write a book during NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. Which is always the month of November, isn't well, it? Well, it, it is, but you can obviously do it any time. But, but that's the uh, that's the that's the brand. So, <clears throat> but the, the kind of the unwritten rules of NaNoWriMo is no planning. You know, you have seven days before November 1st to formulate a plan and maybe get your documents set up, but no real outlining. So I wrote that book 
mean, writers will be familiar with the term plotting or pantsing, seat of your pants. Yes. So I, I really pants that when I, it was, I wrote it on the seat, by the seat of my pants. Yeah. Had no idea what I was doing or where I was going. So I couldn't have, it couldn't have been my story because, because I was just making it up as I was going along, actually. Yes. So, um, but there are elements of it without realizing when I look back at it, oh yeah, perhaps that was a bit of me in there. And still people to this day don't believe me when I say it's not me. But I think it must, I mean, it must be so hard to write a book of any description that doesn't have part of you in it. It has to because of just your experiences and the way you view the world. So of course it's going to be personal up to a point. Even though you, it's through another character's eyes and maybe not all the details are, are yours, but that, that's one of the elements of, of, uh, of being a, a good writer, I think, is that you, that you take the experiences you have and incorporate them perhaps in a, a more art creative way into into your books because otherwise we'd all dry up we'd, uh, right. <laughs> we'd no, run out true. of out of uh, material to write we'll go by the lights in case we don't okay. no that, that's definitely true and, but I, I guess i didn't that book's now been out about eight years i think has it maybe yeah. maybe in this no november was it I, I started it in the november but i didn't finish it until the following winter I guess. Yes, oh, it's green um, so we can go across. Yeah. So, so But as a result of, of writing that book you're that you you started writing the thriller series or did that come later? Yeah no it was it was because I had successively successfully written one book and published it and sold a few I thought well maybe I can do this. Yes. It was never going to be never plan was to be a career because um, I was still teaching at that point. Right. But then, yeah, I think um, I was, we were in Korea. I just realized where we are. Yeah, we've just come Beautiful. right up by Amazing. the River Thames. I'm yeah. taking you on a, and that's Lambeth Palace there. So that's okay. there. Wow, spectacular. Yeah. Um, thank you for the tour, that's the free right. tour. Um, yeah, yeah uh, you know, it, most people, their first book really is a passion project. Yeah. unless you really study writing to market or writing to a particular genre um, yeah it's kind of a passion project you never really expect it to do anything in terms of commercial success yes so i wrote a book that had been inspired by my well first of all my time in peru mm -hmm. and then my dissertation which i wrote on the on the inca culture right at university so it was that experience of my time there that kind of prompted the story. Yes. And, and it was just a kind of a proper good old treasure hunt, lost cities, Indiana Jones type yes. stuff, which, but with, perhaps without so much um, comedy element, quite serious themes. But yeah, so that was the first book in that world, I guess, mm -hmm. the Hiram Kane, the Hiram Kane world. Um, and yet there, there are now eight or no, nine in that, in that series now, so. And one of them I've been listening to as, a, oh, really? as an audiobook, which is the, um, the one set in San Miguel de Allende, oh, which is oh, of course. The Feathered Serpent. The Feathered Serpent, And yes. I recognise quite a few of the yeah. characters. Yeah, you probably met most of them. <laughs> it was great fun killing them, I have to tell you. <laughs> oh, don't spoil it. I haven't finished Oops. it yet. <laughs> I don't know all but, that. Um, but what's, very, what's really interesting about the series is that they 
that's set in different parts of the world, mm -hmm. which are parts of the world I imagine that you have visited. So you're setting them yeah. with a in a, in a in a scene that's familiar to you, rather than just imagining. Well, yeah, you know, it's um, th there's an old adage in literature is write what you know. Yes. But I like my my own take on that is to write where you know as well. Yes. And uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have travelled a lot and lived literally all around the world. Um, and, and I feel more comfortable writing about somewhere I, I know. I've been, I've perhaps not lived in all of those places, but I've certainly spent a lot of time there. Yes. So yeah, so that, that one you're talking about is set in my old home, my former hometown of San Miguel de Allende. Um, and everywhere it, that features in the book is somewhere I, I know very well. So it just becomes easier and you can get the you know, the, the senses, the flavour of the place and, and of course you can then throw in your own real life friends yes. to become the characters in, the, in yes. the fictional story. It sort of very much can bring something alive <coughs> because of the familiarity you have with either the characters or the yes. place. So yeah. you can describe it in a way that's very real to, to well, the reader. Well, you know, it's a bit, a bit of a cliche, but a place is as much of a character in the story as the actual human characters so and, and perhaps even the most important one mm -hmm. um, if you've got a good setting it doesn't really matter what happens because it's just fun to read about these places and my, my what my readers very kindly say is that they do feel transported on a vicarious trip to the to the location of my stories yes which yeah. and, I, and because because that's what i like to read as well as a reader so i do excuse me i do um I work very hard to bring the setting into the story. Yes, which is what travelling through the bookshop was all about, is mm. having books that were set, in, uh, had a story that's set in places and we, we categorised all our books by continent rather oh, than okay. by author okay. or by, by genre. So it's a different way of, <laughs> of doing it. No, and, that's great. And now that the Hi <laughs> is the Hiram Kane series finished or have you got no, more no, in no. there? Well, I'm at that my current work in progress is the next instalment of, of, of that. Yes. Um, it's, it's called the Oak Island, if I may Go shamelessly ahead, please. plug myself. This is why you're here. You can promote <laughs> away. It's called the Oak Island Enigma. Okay. And um, Oak Island, if, I mean, most people might have heard of the Money Pit in, in Nova Scotia in yes. Canada. It's kind of a famous old legend. There's been a huge Netflix series recently about the curse of Oak Island, which is um, th there's allegedly very famous, important lost treasure that was in the money pit and no okay. one's ever really found it. Oh, really? Okay. Um, until... I'm a bit behind on my Netflix, I have to yeah. say. <laughs> well, it's, it's a really interesting series, but yeah. I, I happen to, I happen to, I'm, no spoilers about the series, but I happen to know a very famous uh, TV producer Mm -hmm. who, who's, who lives in Halifax, Nova Scotia, yes. um, and he knows, I can't, I can't say, <laughs> he <laughs> okay. knows a lot. He and, knows a lot, yeah. and he's been able to impart a lot. He's he? helped me with my, my story, and <laughs> um, I, I, would, I would just, yeah, I, yeah, I should probably stop. Okay. I should probably right. stop. But so the, I'm going get the snipered from <laughs> across, the, across the river there. Across the river. The book is due to come out uh, this year, or well, it, it was due year? to come out about three months ago. To be honest, um, I'm a bit I'm a bit be uh, behind, and I've had to change my launch date a couple of times. But 
if things go smoothly for me in the next two or three weeks, mm -hmm. we could we could be publishing on July fifteenth. Okay. Um, well, that's, that's very exciting. So it, it, it is. It is. It's um, and th this has been a, a, a tough one because life's been a bit difficult for everybody yes. last year or two. This this book's taken a lot longer than they usually would. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, I I have to have a real job too, um, my editing job. So. That's what but I was going to ask you actually is about, uh, so anyway, sorry, finished. Yeah, we're, we're getting close. I think um, yes. unless there are any major obstacles in the next week or two, then July 15th is, okay. is officially launch Something date. Something for the readers to get excited about. Well, I hope so. Mm -hmm. um, I hope so. I think this is a really fun, a fun story. It's been almost two years since the last Hiram Kane book, okay. which is way too long. And that's just, you know, life has been it's been hard to get them out. I've had a, another series, actually two other series in the meantime. So, so, but yeah, I hope it's worth the wait. I, and I, I really believe it. Yeah. Believe it is worth the wait. So your, your, um, how you, you structure your, your year for writing, how does it work when you've actually, you know, as you say, you've got a day job on the go as well to sort of help fund everything. Yeah. It's, it's a hard world to be in, um, well, it is. the writer's world. It is. It's, 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 you know, no complaints because it's a privilege to be able to to do writing for a for a living. Yes. So yeah, no complaints, but it's not it's not easy. It's not the easiest of career choices um, because at the end of the day, like most things, it quite a lot of it revolves around money. You can yes. have the best book in the world, but if you can't back it with a bit of marketing, it could it could never be read. Yes. Um, or conversely, you know, you could have not a very good book. But if you've got lots of money to put behind it, it could be commercially very successful. So um, I'm somewhere in the middle, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and when you publish your book, do you do, you do an e-book as well, as well as the Audible and, or the audio? Does it all come out at the same time or do you stagger those? Um, no, I, I, I only my first five of the my main series, my Hiram Kane books are in audio. Mm -hmm. um, I do have paperbacks for every every book I've done. Yes. Because I just like to have one myself. Yeah. On my vanity shelf, I think is what <laughs> we call it. Um, we all need one of those. Well, yeah, we? we've all seen the authors doing their podcasts or YouTubes, and behind them is all of their books. Yes. On on the shelf, so I have that shamelessly, no problem at all. But you know, um, so I have I have paperbacks and eBooks, and for, for some of the books, um, yes, they are in order, audio. Yeah. Um, and actually, my, my series with, with Luke, Luke Richardson, who I believe you know. Yes. Um, our I'm hoping to podcast with him later yeah. in the week if I get oh, a chance. Oh, yeah, great. So. He's, he's, a, he's an excellent um, podcastee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a, pod, a podcaster as well, he isn't is, he? Yeah, he is, yeah, he is. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, we, our series is in, is in audio as well. So. Is it? Yeah. And he, he was the narrator for the series. And how does, how does it work when you're writing with someone? Was it quite difficult? initially to find your rhythm of writing or, or a difficult change did you have to change your style or how did it how did you make it work well in the case of luke um i i handpicked luke mm -hmm. to work with on a, on a series because i read his books and i really liked his writing yes and we have similar genres uh, and and um kind of similar styles so actually that hasn't that's been a quite a smooth process yes because not much difference between us. But I have had another um, 
collaboration experience that hasn't gone quite so well. Right. But that, but that's the nature of it. You know, yeah. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like in any in any business venture, I suppose. So. Yeah. Um, but I think. Um, I think that I've 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 now worked with five different authors on on writing um, projects, and per perhaps I think now I might sort of ease back on that yeah. collaboration because because. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> I mean, I just wondered whether, do, have you learnt things about yourself as a writer from writing with others? And, and has it helped you develop certain skills or has it helped you to, um, I don't know, recognise certain... Uh, I think... Where your skills lie and where... Yeah, I think so. I think that you can learn from any, any other author. Yeah. Um, because doesn't matter at what level they are in terms of let's say commercial success um, I would like to think that I've learned from everybody I've worked with and you can learn good things and bad things and you can learn how not to do something you can yeah. learn well that person's really good at this particular writing technique or you know craft and I've definitely improved because of it and, and you would like to think that in in the same way they have learned something from me. Yeah. You'd have to ask them what it is. <laughs> but I shall ask Luke when I talk yeah. to <laughs> Yeah, so, so no, it's, it's, it's just a really, it's a great thing to have done. It hasn't mm. always gone very well. Yeah. But still, you, you've, each of us have learned something from it. So of it was a worthy, it's a worthy um, thing to have done. Yes, I think like everything, isn't it? It's, it's finding the positive out of what you first may see as a, a negative experience exactly and, and, and exactly. learning and yeah learning from that and and perhaps you can do it differently the next time or you say or I just don't do it again well know. well yeah possibly I mean there are there are a couple of things in the fire you mentioned at the start of the recording that um, when we last met I had just signed a, a contract but that project hasn't yet happened but the guy and I working together on other things now I'm now editing for his company so the relationship was formed yeah there will be a series at some point but that's just had to take a sideward step for now okay but most importantly we're really good friends so I've made some really good friends because of that the collaboration so what are you hoping to get out of the SBF conference while you're here interestingly I'm taking a, a sort of a sideward step from the actual creative process now and, and planning to write less books and focus on selling the books that I've already got in my back catalogue, which is now numbering 25, so. How many? 25. Wow, that's a really good. Yeah, so I have a lot of products to sell. Yes. And I think I need to sort of invest more time and a bit of money into selling those rather than creating the next one. Yes. So I'm, I'm here at the SPF because it is a really amazing resource for learning and getting inspired by the great speakers that will be there. Yes. But on the other hand, and, and I have to say this is probably the main reason, I am an editor now, I have an editing business, and I'm hoping to find some clients for my, for my yes. editing business. Yes. Um, how do you go about that, and how does that, that differ from being a, being a writer? I mean, obviously, you're in that world anyway of, of writing, but it's, it is a different skill and a different... Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, vocation, almost. But it is, it is. Um, first and foremost, I'm a reader, but because I'm an English teacher too, I've got the knowledge of English. Yes. So I suppose I'm naturally 
Um, no, I guess, I guess I've learned that I'm quite naturally good at it because of my teaching skills. I, I've got the qualification to teach English to, to adults. Yes. Um, so I know the grammar, I know the, I know the rules, the grammar rules. And it's but, true that a lot of people struggle with that. They can get the well, story they do. out they do. when I've, it comes to the yeah. actual the way a sentence is structured. Yeah. Some some do struggle, but they have yeah. they still have the they still have the the idea and the creativity. But they sometimes need quite a lot of help. On, yeah, on and the, quite right. And, and I think I think there's nothing, nothing wrong. With wrong with Absolutely not. And um, you can still you can still be a brilliant storyteller. Yes. But to make it a, a sellable product, it does need to be, it's, it's got to be accurate, it's got to be correct in terms of the grammar. You, you, you're allowed some license yeah. to, be, to have your own style, yeah. but, but fundamentally it has to be in good shape. Um, and I just, I've just learned I'm, re I'm really quite good at that yes. from, from practice with my own books. Yep. And I've now edited or proofread about 100 titles, discounting my own. So yeah. including my own, that's 120 odd book so you know you'd, you'd like to think you know what you're doing by now and yeah. and how it started was um, I just I just chanced my arm somebody in one of the Facebook groups I think it was the SPF community yeah. was looking for a proofreader and I thought well I could do that so I just offered my service and I, I got the job yeah. and the, the client was very pleased yeah. and then it just just spread and word of mouth mm -hmm. and about four years later now I've got a long list of you know very happy clients. Yes. My my services are now Readsy approved, which um, I don't know if you're. So I'm not so up on on this on the Readsy. Readsy is kind of just an aggregate aggregator. It's it's almost in exclusively for authors looking for different services that they might need, say a cover designer, yes. an editor, proofreader, developmental ah, editor, okay. um, marketing, all the services that you need. To, to put a book out, yes. you can find on, on Reezy and it's, it's a huge company yes. and actually they're one of the main sponsors of the yes, SPF I, event. Yes, I noticed that, yeah. So, so, so it's kind of, I've been unofficially an editor right. for all these years, but now I'm, I've been, it's kind of, um, it's validating my services. I've got all the testimonials from my clients, but now it's, oh, he's a Reezy editor, okay, so it's, you know, adds a bit of kudos to your... Yeah. To my service, so yes. But I that's that's been a very new. Sorry, that's been a very new thing. It only happened last week. So okay. Well, congratulations Thank for you. that. Thank that's you very much. And also very very timely as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's it's exactly the right time. Um, and and to be honest, I didn't think that because I don't have the official qualifications for it, I wasn't sure that they would accept me. But but they they did. Yeah. I'm very delighted okay. that they did. So. No, that's fantastic. Well done, Steve. So that, I mean, obviously that takes some of the pressure off you to to write or to find something else to um, fund your your lifestyle your writing lifestyle and to travel and to to get the material you need to write your books yeah, yeah absolutely and i think editing has made me a better writer because i've learned i mean i've just i've i've seen every kind of book across my desk good bad ugly yeah. brilliant um, and I've been inspired by some of the stories I've, I've read and it, you learn techniques, you learn, oh, they did that, that, that kind of pacing of something, mm -hmm. how they deal with politics even yes. and uh, social economic stuff. Yeah. 
So I, yeah, every book I edit, I've learned something which has helped me in my, my own writing. So okay. it, it was worth it just for that, but yes. I also get paid, so yeah. it's quite nice. Extra bonus. Bonus, but, yeah. Isn't it, I mean, they say that quite often um, you, d you don't necessarily realise the skills that you have and something that comes easy to you and that you enjoy doing uh, that you can actually make a very good living from that so it's recognizing that in yourself which quite often you you overlook or not you personally but people can overlook yeah. the skills that are well, right in front of your own face basically. It, it, it's de definitely true I, I'm not particularly confident about my writing skills but you, you'll know from your own book and Stephen will know from his books once you start getting a few reviews, it's like, oh, somebody actually liked that. Yeah. It wasn't my mum who bought that one <laughs> copy. Somebody I don't know bought it. So yeah. it's the same with ed editing as well. You know, I, it's mostly been word of mouth for my, yep. and someone recommends you and somebody reaches out through my website perhaps. And yes, yeah, it's, it's validation. I am quite good at it. It's, oh, okay, that gives you more confidence to turn it into a, functioning business which yes. is kind of where I am now so okay. and you're going to for the time being hopefully base yourself in in Norfolk yeah. uh, but obviously you've got the added complication of your wife being American and having their troubles with with uh, visas and yeah. stuff so you're still having to go backwards and obviously travel backwards and forwards to yes keep so, your marriage alive as yeah well, which exactly is really it's, it's been it's been stressful it's of been a stressful course. time yes um, the last sort of 18 months especially yeah uh, long distance marriage um, she's she's in northwest of the US and I'm now in in Norwich in Norfolk and I have to be there because to apply for the spouse visa I have to have a permanent address in the UK right because I'm sort of technically applying sponsoring her kind yes. of yes yeah but yeah it's it's kind of stressful it's bureaucracy it's red tape it's it's been financially very tough as well renting two houses because we're both freelancers you're never quite sure what money's coming in yeah so far it's been okay but you know so it's, it's, bit, it's just a bit stressful yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but you know there is some light at the end of the tunnel we we feel like we know roughly when it's going to happen now it's still a long way off january but, yeah um, but it feels like progress so no that's great well, it's, hope, it's, it's i hope it'll be we, we just hope it's we get the visa because if we don't back to the drawing board don't yeah. know what we'll do then but yeah it's tough isn't it for uh, all kinds of travel and, and wanting to go and settle somewhere else or when you've got well, people from different yeah the world doesn't come together through marriage the world doesn't seem to welcome international couples then mm. there's nowhere that makes it very easy um, the UK is not making it easy for us even though I'm English so um, I sympathize with anyone who's going going through it because it is very it's very tough and yes. stressful and, and especially if you have been married for how many years uh, seven years seven I think years. together 12 like six months or no something no like no that. exactly and um, so, so we think we think we'll get accepted we think it'd be quite a smooth process yes but it's just a time process it's taking time so. yeah, yeah, and, yeah and obviously it's pretty expensive too because um, you know, we you have to pay for the privilege, and yet we've had to pay for a lawyer to help us with the, the process because it's notoriously difficult if you get one single thing wrong on the exhaustive application 
paperwork, it's online, but you know, paperwork, yeah. then it's, yeah. it's over. Is it? Yeah. So and it's not just that you go to well, the back I think of they, the queue, it's no, over. They, oh my goodness. I think they try That's and trip, trip people up yeah. like, deliberately because, you know, but we'll see. Well, good luck with that. Thank you very much. So, um, what else is on the horizon for, for you? We'll let these cyclists go by. Um, literally on the horizon is I'm flying to the US on Thursday Yes. to go to Tacoma, which is where Leslie, my wife, is currently living. Yes. Um, which it's a beautiful part of the world. I don't know if you've, I you've haven't been, been up to there. That part of the world, no. It's spectacular. It's the Pacific Northwest, so it's there are giant redwood trees, mountains, Mount Rainier is there. Oh wow! Uh, it's the Puget Sound, so it's, there are whales and dolphins. Uh, oh my goodness! She, she Leslie lives in a place which is across the street from the start of a trail, a trailhead, mm -hmm. which is just a one-mile trail through a rainforest to the beach. Oh wow! So it's a beautiful part of the world. I'm really excited to get there and do some hiking and. Um, Have you written a book around that part of the world? I I haven't. But I, I since I was last there, yes. I've changed my mind about writing. But I did have a series planned for it. Yes. But I think I'm going to put that on the on the shelf for now. Okay. But it is a very inspiring place. Um, but sometimes, it, when you have, have you found that some of your special places, you haven't wanted to write about because you don't want to. You know, I, I have <laughs> Yeah, I haven't really thought of it that way. But there are two of my favorite places as we mentioned earlier I lived in Korea for six years yes and I haven't written a book set in Korea and I wonder why because it's a perfect place for a, an action thriller yes and also Cambodia is one of my favorite places I've been to the temples at Angkor many many times oh, yes. I have yet to go but I'm oh, it's amazing list. it's yes. amazing um, and, and I haven't set a book there I mean there are plans for one yes. I haven't done it yet and why is it the ninth or 10th or 11th book in the series when it probably should be first? Because it's my favorite, I don't know. <laughs> so m maybe you're onto something. Yeah. Maybe I've deliberately, I don't want to spoil it somehow. Yes, it's just a sub been a subconscious thing. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe. So huh. what is it about London? We've nearly done a full circle and we're going to end up back at the Full King's circle of London, shortly. 72 miles. <laughs> a little short circle, then. <laughs> an Emma circle. Which parts of London are you familiar with and, and do you love coming to when you do come to the city? You know, I'm, I'm really not that familiar with any of London. I'm, I'm just a tourist here. I, yeah. I've, I've been a few times in the last few years for the book fair, London book fair, SPF, visiting you and Steve a couple of times. Yes. So I really don't, don't know London and that's why I love it because I'm just a tourist here. Yeah. It's yeah. the capital city of my own country. As you know, I've been abroad a long time. Yes. So I'm, I just get excited every time I'm coming here because I'm, I'm literally a tourist. Yes. So I, I don't know where I am right now. I know I'm in the Waterloo area. Yep. So you can see the station from a very yep. unusual angle here. This yeah. is the old IMAX, well not the old, it's the IMAX cinema here. Yeah, I think just behind us is the uh, South Bank Centre, exactly. which is where the yep. conference is tomorrow. Yes. And this is uh, Stamford Street, so we can, we can walk along here and turn right and it'll take us back yep. down to the pub. Okay. And stop off there. Yeah, it's thirsty work, this right. podcasting. <laughs> it is. So, Steve, for the podcast listeners um, tuning in at the moment, how can they find out a bit more about you? You have a website. I do have a website, and I, I wouldn't say it's the prettiest 
website out there. I don't consider it that important for my business, but um, it does exist and it's, you can find out all about my stuff and my books on there. And it's this very simple URL. It's stephenmoreauthor.com. And that's Stephen, Stephen with a V. With a V. And more double O-R-E. Double O-R-E, correct. Okay. And um, on there, you also have Instagram and Facebook. I think you, you can, you can, you can link to all of my social media stuff from there. Yes. But, but on, on Insta, it's Stephen Moore Author. Yes. Uh, that's my, my handle, I suppose you'd call it. Yeah. I don't really do Twitter. Okay. Um, and on Facebook, my exclusive reader group, which is not exclusive at all, anyone's welcome. Okay. Um, it just sounds cool. Um, <laughs> is Stephen Moore Author. Okay. Also, so. And yeah. what is it about your author group that you have on Facebook? What do, what does that give anybody who's signing up to that? Is it just a, a means for people to get in contact with one another and yeah, talk we, to you as well? We just it's just a fun place. I post, you know, promotional stuff. I'm an amateur photographer, so I post a lot of my travel photos on there. Yeah. And it's just general updates about what I'm up to, progress. I post excerpts from my books. And it's probably the most fun place where I can interact more with, with my readers. Okay. Um, I have my mailing list as well, but that's just, that's a bit more clinical. You can't really interact with that. So I think Facebook would be maybe the funnest place to find me. Okay, If, All right. if someone was interested in my, my stuff. Yes. And that's also where, uh, sorry, the, the website is where people can buy your books, or is that also through, through the website and also on Amazon? No, no, you, you, can, you can't buy the books direct from me. Mm -hmm. I, I have done that in the past, but I, I don't do that currently. Okay. But you can, you can just, all my books are on the website, and if you click them, it that takes, takes you, you to Amazon. Yeah. Fantastic. Wherever okay. you are in the world, it will go to your, your local Amazon. So. Brilliant. So whatever appeals to the podcast listener, they're able to uh, download a paperback ebook and possibly an audio. Some of them some are in of audio, yeah, yes. absolutely. Okay, absolutely. brilliant. And you've got a new book coming out on hopefully on the 15th of July. <laughs> well, it will be coming well. out. It's just whether it's finished or not. <laughs> I, that's, a different, that's a different thing. There'll be something there. There'll be a little no, fanfare or a big one, depending I, on. Well, no, I, yeah, I don't really do big, big launches, to be honest. Yes. Amazon prefers slow and steady yes. to, to work the algorithms. Okay. Um, and I'm not a big enough name to have a a big book launch so yeah. but yeah I mean I'll have a beer I'll probably have a pint okay fantastic well we'll have one uh, in the UK for you so absolutely I, I won't be here I hope she'll be in Tacoma <laughs> oh, yes. escaping Excellent. a bear attack <laughs> now I noticed actually um, that you also on your on your website that you are very um, committed to mental health awareness week mm -hmm. and everything and and what is it about that that's drawn you to that specific kind of charity and that and well, is that is that part of your written goes that comes into your books as well um I, I do mention it a little bit in my books and my you know my main character has some of my traits but it's personal to me i i i've long suffered quite severe social anxiety mm -hmm. um and to, to the point you know i don't know if i can say this you're probably going to agree it's, um i i'm on medication so i yeah. Um, should I? Yeah, you can say okay, it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so it's personal to me. Um, yeah. Are we crossing? Yeah. Um, I've had social anxiety for all my adult life. It's been been very difficult at times. Um, so I, you know, I'm I'm somebody who takes medication for that, and it helps <laughs> me very much. 
Yeah. But for a long time, I didn't realise that was what I had. I thought I was just very, very shy yeah. and awkward and a bit bumbling. And yeah. I am those things too. But um, actually, about five, six years ago, I learned that it was something I had. I had anxiety issues. Right. So I sought help. Yes. Um, and has that helped? It has changed my life, really, to be honest. Um, I could never have done this, okay. for example, yeah. three years ago. Yeah. Um, I've only been on the medication about six months, but um, but yes, it's helped no end. So, but 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 it's always something that I've um, been concerned about, and learnt, since I since I realised what I had, yeah. I learned more about it. Yeah. Leslie's been great for that too. She's um, my wife. She's. Um, we, I guess we're very passionate about that, and we we help people. We now we we um, do some charity stuff, yeah. uh, raise awareness of it. I do, um, I call it my coming out of the mental health closet post mm -hmm. every year. Yes. And I I mean I just I, I, and I just I reach out and you know offer my shoulder to somebody. You know I mean people have done that for me, so I, it's kind of paying it forward. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I I feel like so many people have been amazing and helping helpful to me that the very least I can do is offer that forward now so sure and it's very much a thing that that when, when you recognize it in yourself it's also you recognize that there's a lot of people out there oh, with very similar oh so so many it's been a uh, been uh, mind-blowing how many people that I've when I when I came out of my mental health closet yeah somebody has, who I have known for a long time has said Oh wow! I didn't know you had that. I've I've been suffering like this too, and so that you know, everybody has some kind of issues. Of it's just just the scale is obviously huge. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but no, it's been very eye-opening to me. Um, uh, has it changed your um, the way you write as well? Being able to has it just or has it changed the structure of your your daily life and how you how you work and live as um, a result of kind of recognizing I, 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 I suppose when i've when i've been having a very bad stretch of anxiety issues mm -hmm. it does it, it literally keeps me home right. I, you know to the point where sometimes I, i'm not able to leave the house for two three four months at a time so physically that means i've got more time at my my desk yes but in terms of actual um inspiring the, the work the work I don't I don't know if that's really I don't think that's changed much to be honest no, no okay so anybody who is a writer and is is actually suffering from severe anxiety what piece of advice would you give them based on your experiences well that's a hard one to answer because that person may or may not have already accepted what they have or um, yeah understood what they have yeah um, all I know from my from my own experience was once I realized I had some mental health issues you have to embrace it yeah and and literally and just sounds so obvious but seek help yeah. because because I was kind of reluctant to yeah it's not because I'm old school or just a bit kind of I just didn't understand it and it was a bit scary yes yeah to admit that you had those yeah. kinds of problems but once you did and I had brilliant support from Leslie she was amazing, still is about that. Yeah. Because um, she understood it from her own, couple of her own kind of life experiences. Yeah. Um, 
you just felt confident to, to speak to the right people. I spoke to a couple of doctors, one in, one in London actually and one in, in Mexico. Yeah. And they, because somebody understood and they didn't judge me and they just kind of helped, everything's better now. Like, yeah. you know, That's I feel, feel me very confident with my, my medication. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a low dose of a certain thing and it's, but it's just kind of that underlying confidence thing. Yeah. It's very hard for me to explain because I'm not a doctor and I don't know the terminology, but the only advice I would have is speak to the right people. Yes, yes. Speak to the right people, but it's so, everyone's experience is so different. Yeah, of course. Personal, so yes. it's hard to advise on that. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you for, for sharing that with me because I was uh, aware of, you know, that you've been putting this, and we'll go back down Rupal Street again, and we'll stop there, <laughs> um, that you'd put it's on Facebook and Instagram and I think it's on your website also. I think, I think some of the blogs I've done are, are yes. can read on my website. And, um, and to be able to, to actually share that with people basically that you don't know as well it is also a courageous thing to do but also a way of, I suppose it's an acceptance on, of yourself. It is, it is that. It's been very helpful to me to know that I might have helped someone else. Yes. Uh, and like I said before, um, so many people have been amazing sharing their experiences and their time with me to, to help me. Um, so, you, you know, you think we have a kind of a duty to, to pay that kind of help forward. Um, yeah. Based on our chat around, a little chat around London, we've talked about quite a lot of things actually, from travel to... Yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. To a bit about... Uh, you're growing up in Norfolk. Mm. Does it feel Suffolk. Suffolk, Suffolk? Sorry. So actually, my last question then: Why Norfolk? Why have you ended up there specifically? The short answer is happy wife, happy life. <laughs> but no, we we were struggling to find somewhere that would welcome an international couple. Yes. Um, Leslie is an Anglophile. She loves the UK. She's she's visited loads of times in the past. Um, as, a, as a younger person and since we've been together. Yes. Um, you know, I've been enjoying visiting England the last few years in the summers, so it wasn't a huge decision. It was, it just had to be somewhere. Um, I loved Norwich because I went to university there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's somewhere that's slight, that is familiar kind to of, you. Kind of, kind of, kind of familiar. Yeah. Um, Amazing know. beaches. Yeah, ab absolutely. Norfolk is, is spectacular, yeah. really. And the Broads, Norfolk the Broads. Yeah, yeah, that's where I grew up, right on the right on the Norfolk Broads yes. in Suffolk, just over the border. And my mum is close by, so that's really nice. Yeah. I haven't lived near my mum for 20 odd years, so <laughs> that's nice. Um, she might not agree. Uh, I think she does, actually. You'll, you'll bring her around, I'm think, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll work on her. <laughs> Um, so and so, yeah. We just thought, while we're going through this whole visa process, which is a five-year process. Um, My goodness, I didn't realise five years. Takes five years, Whoa. and yeah, it's, and, it's, power. and bear in mind, it's already been two years since we've been thinking about of it. Course, so, yes. um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a beautiful city, Norwich, and uh, it's. I got to London today in an hour and forty minutes on the train. Yeah, so it's great, isn't it? It's so it's a good spot. It? It's a good spot. Well, Steve, thank you so much for no. taking your time to come out and chat with me. At least we missed the rain earlier. Oh, it's beautiful it absolutely now. Absolutely, hurled down, isn't it? Thirsty work. Out. Might be time for a 
for a pint, I think. Shall we have a, shall we have a so. swift half or a swift yes, pint so. even in the King's Arms? No, Emma, thank you so and, much. It's, um, it's really fun. To all you podcast listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed our chat and been inspired by our conversation. I'll say I certainly have. Thank you, Steve. Um, if you want to get hold of Steve, please do so through his website. Stephen Moore. Stephen Moore.com. Or through Instagram, Facebook. You'll find him and all his uh, email is probably there as well. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, Stephen Moore, author at Gmail. Okay, nice yeah. to be you consistent. Can reach, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I forget otherwise. No, exactly. Um, so, yes, if you have enjoyed this, please do share with your friends. Please do subscribe to the Travel Nation podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, I would be grateful if you could put a rating and a review up. It helps all my podcast guests to reach a wider audience because this is what it's all about. And if you want to know a little bit more about what I'm about or about to be doing, check out travelingclue.co.uk and I'll be on Instagram there. But for now, I hope you enjoyed that. Have a very good rest of the week. Take care and thanks for listening.